Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Uh, Derek, we just dropped a bonus episode. We, we were planning just to do the mailbag, and then we got into a recruiting spill about everything going on in Kentucky football. And you've talked to me today at Basketball Media Day about how much you really enjoy the football recruiting side of this and you just your passion for this your your knowledge of it everything it started coming out and I said all right let's just let's throw it up as a bonus so if you're catching this episode first go back you're going to find two there's bonus recruiting news that we're just going to keep all in that episode it's, it's really good stuff from Derek it's it's just a kind of a breakdown of where the program is at wide receiver what's maybe on the horizon here and uh, I think it, I thought it was very good just to maybe put that to itself. That's why if we started that episode talking about mailbag and you're like, where's the freaking mailbag again? <laughs> so it's here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You would have been 15 minutes in on that last episode. So uh, Sean, we got, we got quite a few questions here. Yeah. We're uh, jumping right into it. No longer yeah. delays, right? <laughs> yeah. No longer delaying. Uh, did you have a certain order you wanted to do this? Or you just want to just jump right in it. See what you got. Let's just start off the top. Let's just go with the big question from Hayden. What record do you see Kentucky finishing the season out on? Uh, let's just do regular season here. Well, you can even throw Braylon's in there too. Does Kentucky win out? Okay. So we'll throw both those in there. And uh, I think that they do. I think that they win out. I think they go 11 and 1. You saw PFF, I think, yesterday come out and say Kentucky has the easiest schedule remaining. And, and they do when you look at it. They obviously have some hurdles to overcome. They got to go to Starkville and win for the first time since 2008 next week. They've got to beat Tennessee at home. Uh, I know a team that's been a thorn in their side. They went to Knoxville last year and won. Derek, I just feel like that the motivation within this program right now, they're in a better spot than what they were 2018 to continue that success. Mark Stoops has talked about it, uh, that you can't let that loss to Georgia carry over and cost you again. I don't think it will. I think the bye week's at the perfect time. Go out there. You get this one at Starkville next. I just think Kentucky's going to win out. I think they're going 11 and one. But if they if they do, I, th I think at worst they're going 10 and two. But I'm going to predict 11 and one. Yeah, I'm not sure I was ready to answer this. Um, <laughs> I definitely think they're winning the last three. Like I would really be. I mean, obviously Vandy and New Mexico State, no no problem. Even Louisville, I think is going to be a double digit win. Tennessee with Hendon Hooker, yeah, I think is definitely the if he's playing. I know he got hurt against Ole Miss. If he plays, I think it's I think it's the toughest game it of is. the five. Um, but if Joe Milton is playing, I actually like Kentucky's chances in that game. Uh, you know, at home, that crowd's going to help. And that's um, the game there three years ago that cost them a New Year's yeah. Six game was Tennessee, and and that's that's where I'm coming from. That I just think that the focus within this program, Mark Stoops. You know, Mark Stoops has talked about what he's learned and stuff the last few years. Not only has this program learned, these players learned. I think Mark Stoops has learned too. And the staff, these guys that have been there, you know, how to handle success, how to do things that your program hasn't done, Derek. And I, I just think that they're going to be locked in. But you mentioned that. I do think that that's their toughest game remaining. As far as talent-wise, yeah. that's their toughest game remaining. Tennessee's no pushover of that offense. I want to say – I see the reason people think 11 and one. I, I get, I guess I'm leaning that way. I'm, I'm slightly leaning. I, I'm with you though. 
no worse than than ten and two. I, I think something something bad would have had to, had to have happened to finish worse than ten and two. And that gets us into the Kentucky update question: What bowl do you think Kentucky gets into, Derek? Ten and two. I mean, you want to say a New Year's six, but you're going to look there and let's just talk about it. Georgia's going to go undefeated in the regular season. Uh, they're probably, in my opinion, they're going to win the SEC championship. If they don't, then they're still a one-loss team, and Alabama's a one-loss team, possibly. you got Ole Miss there, who's already played Alabama, that you could see Ole Miss play themselves into an 11-1 record. I, I think if you're a Kentucky fan, you need Kentucky to go 11-1, and I honestly think you need Ole Miss to lose again. Yeah, you're right. And the thing with Georgia, too, I mean, I think Georgia, as long as it goes 12-0 in the regular season, it's a lock to get in the playoffs, whether it loses to – Alabama. I mean, I think Alabama is the only team that can beat them. Ole Miss, Ole Miss couldn't beat Georgia. I don't think Which helps so, Kentucky uh, if if Kentucky's not a playoff team. If two SEC teams get in, it helps Kentucky with then, the yes. Six. It helps them a lot. Um, it's projecting so far out because so much has to happen. Um, I mean, theoretically, you would. I mean, you would still think they're not going to have probably enough good wins to actually get in. But if Kentucky's eleven and one, they're at least going to be like in the conversation, right, for that fourth spot. Like I'm, like I said, I don't think they're going to get it because you're going to have a bunch of other teams, and you're going to be weighing those resumes. But um, you're going to have to have craziness happen around college football. Yeah, you like would. But I'm going to take this. Uh, I'm going to take this a different direction, and it's for the long term thought for Mark Stoops. What the hope is? What 2023, 2024 that you go to a 12 team playoff? Yeah. Well, you're a lock in a few years. Yeah. If you're 11 and one in your UK team in the SEC. And you've been seeing those brackets come out, just people playing around with it. And yeah, they're, they're in that spot now to be a playoff team when that expansion happens. I mean, if you're pushing 10 wins in the SEC, you're going to be, you know, in that mix to be a playoff team here in a few years. The thing that's going to hurt them when it if they do go 11 and 1 and I don't want to spend too much time on this I want to move on to the other questions but the thing that I think is going to hurt them is just the, the strength of schedule mm-hmm. Florida not being very good from what it seems like I mean Florida's already got three losses in the league you you I think they're going to lose to Georgia so there's four would yeah. be surprised if they lost another one somewhere along the way I said it last week that you needed them to win the LSU game just for your strength of schedule but I mean who knows Derek Let, let's just say that something happens and how impressive does Georgia look in an SEC title game if they play Alabama? Does that help Kentucky if Georgia goes and beats Alabama by a couple of touchdowns and Kentucky went to Athens? And you, you're in that spot in the AP poll, and we know that that doesn't matter when the college football playoff rankings come out. But if you could have some craziness just happen and you need those power five schools again from the Big 12, you need, you need a couple of teams to lose and not be undefeated or uh, get a couple of losses there and win the league, then maybe Kentucky has a chance. Maybe that SEC name behind them puts them there, but I think that this is a team that if they go eleven and one, they're at least going to be one of those teams that day in that selection show when it comes out that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the bowl right now. I think Sugar, the Sugar Bowl, because Trey Trey Scott also asked a similar question to Kentucky. Man, that, yes, man, that's a fantastic opportunity yeah. for your program there or Peach Bowl. It's fantastic. Oh, those are the two I would look at. I know some – I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but I know a few of those take out large teams. I mean, so UK could be in the mix there. Uh, obviously, you know, it won't be – actually, I don't, is, is the Rose, I don't know if the Rose Bowl is even in the rotation for the college football playoff this year, but either way, that's always a Big Ten. It's, uh, it's, Texas cotton, it's Cotton Bowl and what's the other one that, that's this year? 
there, there's two that's the two the cotton bowl i know is one year right it's yeah one, i don't know which it, one is. or one of the, the probably two. not in miami is it or is it uh, one's in texas and then one okay it's cotton yeah, cotton and orange. yeah i think the, the, the cotton bowl and the orange bowl i think are the two playing play okay. games. yeah um and then the national championships in at lucas oil this year yeah so i mean maybe they're getting to a spot i know they just went to the citrus bowl a couple of years ago when they were nine and three but like that's the that's the good news with what they did in the first half of the schedule is I mean they should win nine games minimum so they're gonna go to uh to a solid bowl um and see Brandon uh, Brandon asked about do they do we think that they make make history and go eleven and one and then he actually talked about the most challenging games on the schedule he mentioned Mississippi State and Tennessee so I think we already answered that one I just want to make sure that we recognize Brandon there that we got his question uh do you do you see anything that you want to move on to that kind of fits what we're talking about here uh fits what we were talking about matt's got oh uh somewhat similar because we're talking about mississippi state it's from fly guy he says we need to keep spirits high because even in a loss we still put on georgia uh more of a game than anyone else's season how will the coaching staff make sure we stay focused after a loss man that, that bye week helps I'm telling you, it does because you you get to recover from it. You you get to take that week. I know that they practiced. Uh, they they took Monday. I know they practiced on Tuesday, right? If I'm not mistaken. So you get to you get to get some guys that are injured, that are banged up. Maybe get some guys back. You get a week removed. You get to watch some college football on Saturday, which I think helps you flip and turn the calendar forward. And if you're Mark Stoops and the staff, Derek, I think that you come in and you lay out the outline and you show to me, I would go show the one loss teams that have made the college football playoff in the past years and be like, look, you have a ton to play for here, not just for a national championship hope, but a New Year's Six Bowl, something this program's not done. That's the thing that lies ahead. We, I titled the podcast episode, I think, uh, on Monday about the, the still a special season coming up for Kentucky football if they take care of business. That, that would be my approach is that you're getting these guys in there. You're like, all right, we went to number one Georgia. We battled them. We, we took some momentum out of that place. Now you get to go do something this program's not done since 2008. Go beat Mississippi State and Starkville and add another accomplishment to this great season. Yeah, I think you really got to lean on your senior leadership and those guys that were there in, in 2018. The, I know Josh Pascal didn't really play a whole lot that year, um, but DeAndre Square, Yusuf Corker, those guys that were in the rotation yeah. for that really good team. I mean, they, they let that game in Knoxville get away. You're right. I think the bye, bye week comes at a great time. I mean, these these kids, I mean, they know they just played against the best team in the country. I mean, they went down there and they got beat. I mean – just like everyone else who plays Georgia in the regular season is going to get beat uh, by them. So I, I I don't think they should hang their heads no. at all. I mean, uh, definitely take this bye week regroup. I, I, I think they definitely recognize what's in front of them. They see the schedule uh, and they know that, you know, big things are, big things are still ahead or, and can, can be achieved. Um, looks like a lot of these others are more, um into into the team a little bit matt matt he, he filled this uh all bag up for us i've got uh, several <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he says i got several. all right so here's the first question we use the tight ends a lot against georgia and it worked really well do you think we see more of that moving forward yes and the reason being is you have a quarterback that's getting more comfortable week by week i think that will be enough to utilize those guys more because they're early in the season derek 
Will Levis, and rightfully so, was looking one direction, and it was the number one. Because I think it was, one, he didn't look comfortable in the pocket going through his reads and his progressions. Also, Wandell was the guy getting open. But now, those tight ends, you saw Liam Cohen get creative with some plays, some of those RPOs, some of the things that they do. I think that you have some guys there in the, in the, in the game. I know uh, Bates dropped that beautiful throw from Levis that should have been a catch. Uh, Rig made some nice catches there. Those tight ends, if you can get to me a combined seven to eight targets a game from your tight ends, I think you could take so much pressure off the rest of your offense. Yeah, I mean, Rick had a good game. Like you said, Bates should have had uh, another catch. He dropped the one over the middle. And then, of course, Cummings um, has played a ton this year. We'll see what his health is like. Um, I think Stoops said on his radio show he was in a sling. Um, but, yeah, I, I I think you'll definitely see them more. I, you know, they threw up 42 times against uh, Georgia. They were down, had to start airing it out. Be curious, you know, they're always going to rely on the ground game. I mean, they, they didn't have a choice. They were averaging less than two yards running the ball against Georgia. So, I mean, they had to go to the air a little bit more. I'm wondering yeah. if they'll settle on a kind of a sweet spot these last five games where maybe around 30 throws did, per game. Did you gain any confidence in them, though, that if they get down, let's say, like a few years ago at Mississippi State with Sawyer, they ended up getting down a couple of scores, I think 10 points, 13 or something, and they had to start throwing the ball. And that's when Eddie Grand just went all aired out because they kind of had to. Did you gain some confidence, though, that if they do get down a touchdown or, or 10 points or something early in the game, that they can come out and maybe sling it around a little bit and Levis get you a big play there? I gained a lot of confidence in him Saturday. Yeah, I, I did too. Um, you know, he, he made the throw. I mean, I thought he played great. He should have – you know, he didn't get as much help as you'd like to see from his receivers. I think Josh Ali coming back will help. It uh, sounds like he's on track to play. I mean, he's, in my opinion, quite a bit more dependable than Isaiah Epps. Uh, and if he's going to be the second target, I think that helps. Um, and the tight ends keep coming along. I think it'll be a loss, though, if Cummings can't play this next bit. game. I, I bet he's going to be on the fence. It'll, he's it'll be different, man. He's just different yeah. than the rest of them. And you you yeah. see a lot of potential with him. And I'm I'm sitting here thinking about, the options that they're going to have moving forward with Cummings and then when they get a Keaton Upshaw back healthy, that you could oh, put yeah. them both on the field together and you, you really like what you got at that position. That would have been a good game for Upshaw the other day. Uh, Matt's second question, clearly we need more wide receiver weapons. I know we're recruiting guys like Brown and Key and the Syracuse transfer, which is Tosh Harris. If we get two, is that enough? Um uh, I, I'm not sure if he's asking if two transfer wide receivers are enough or if just two of those three that he mentioned. I, I think he's. I think he means two of those three. Like if they get two okay. guys. No, I would say they need more. Yeah. Definitely need more than just those two because well, I think they're going to get Brown and Key. You need more and you need to develop the guys that you got that are younger. You need DeKell. You need a Chris Lewis. You need all those guys, a Chauncey Magwood to just continue getting better and better. But this is going to be something where if, if you get Brown and you get key, I still think that they are a prime option to possibly land a couple of transfers at that spot. Not just one. I could see them landing multiple guys at that spot. Yeah. I was driving. Uh, I wasn't driving. I was stopped at the gas station uh, and I was texting with my buddy. <laughs> Love how uh, you corrected that right there. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was definitely at the gas station because uh, I remember because the gas is like 309 in Tennessee. Uh, and I was texting him. We were talking about the game. It's a Sunday morning. And I told him, like, I think 
UK's whole receiver room, the guys that start that first game and play that first game, I was trying to put a number on the combined catches coming back. It's going to be very few. I think that whole room is going to be totally different next season. I think uh, Wandell is going to go to the NFL, like we just talked about in the last episode. Ali doesn't have any eligibility left. I think Epps technically has a year, but he's already been here five years. I would I would be surprised if he's back for another year. Although I don't know that for sure. I'm just I'm just thinking he probably won't. Um, those are your top three receivers. You know, Magwood's played this year. Like I said, I, I've had the expectation that he's going to end up with some catches down the stretch. But you know, I think they're going to rely a lot on developing Magwood. The Cal Crowdis, you know, he's hopefully he can come back and at least play in like one or two games here. Like maybe he can get in against New Mexico State. Just just something that he can come. I don't, you know, I don't think you're gonna rely on him and you know a big moment if he comes back. But just you, you would think that Vanderbilt New Mexico State game, if he's healthy, you would think they'll have a leading hand enough to where you could get him in and play. And then Chris Lewis. I, I love Chris Lewis as a prospect. Um, he was I thought he was like the best wide receiver guy they've recruited in a while but you know i saw him at media day you were probably around him like we, we watched the open practice like physically he wasn't ready and i think that was pretty much the expectation was that he wasn't going to be ready to really help them this year but i think next year definitely i think he's definitely uh going to be playing a lot and then you know let's say right now it sounds like they're leading for barry and brown and dan key if they get both those guys i think brown helps them next year key we'll see i think he'll have a i think he'll have a chance but are you going to go into next season just relying on those guys with maybe no. a, a Demarcus Harris, something like that? I, I'm I'm thinking the number's three for transfers. I really do. Yeah. I, I think and, if you can get three, that's what you want. And you don't know who goes in the portal between yeah. now and after the bowl season. Like you, you went and you got a guy like Wandell that you've showcased this year. You're appealing to guys of Wandell's caliber. I'm not saying another Wandell Robinson, a kid that has ties to the state of Kentucky, is going to come in and be available, but maybe some of those guys that they've recruited in the past that they already had relationships with that it doesn't work out somewhere or they just go and you see a power five guy that's been successful and they want a different system or a coach gets fired or moves on. You never know what it does. Like we were sitting here a year ago talking about, we didn't know exactly where Kentucky's offense was going. We thought Bo Allen was going to be the guy this year. Yeah. And then a month later, we're like, okay, Bo Allen's not the guy next year. It's Will <laughs> Levis. So it made us look like fools. But then again, that's the world that we live in now with yeah, the transfer I mean, portal. But but that leads us into the third question from Matt. He said, I've heard that the 6-0 and start was opening doors to some high-level recruits, possibly even commitment flips from other big programs. How big do you think this could be? Can we step up and compete or forget or more and get more five, high four and five stars? Do you think the loss hurts that momentum? I'll answer the last part. Absolutely not. The loss hurts nothing with the momentum. If anything, I think that you got an opportunity to take advantage of that spotlight, show off your program. Your quarterback slung it 42 times. That's even more appealing to these recruits and these wide receivers when you say, all right, look, we got Chris Rodriguez. We've got all these other running backs. We have a quarterback that has a strong arm that just keeps getting better and better. Come play in the SEC, be a consistent I'm getting there with this top 15 to top 20 program. I think that's what Kentucky is moving towards. It did not hurt their momentum at all Saturday. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Absolutely. Yeah. I think. Uh, you know, I think a lot of. You know, I think he'll go back and he'll listen to this. Uh, Matt, that is, will listen to the. Uh, recruiting episode that'll answer some of the ones but yeah I, I do think there are definitely other guys you know you you saw them start to pop up and and not every guy that pops up on the radar is going to be a legitimate you know Sam McCall for example is one he's committed to Florida State he's a top 50 player he mentioned you know wanting to visit Kentucky as far as I know he's not visited the UK yet maybe he'll get up for the Tennessee game you know it's it, it's going to be hard I think to flip a guy like that regardless but they are would they have gotten that reception from a top 50 recruit if they weren't six and now, you know, probably not. Right. So that's, that's one area. Um, I still think it helps a lot with the, not necessarily this class, but the future, you know, you're getting, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, just a kid like Dakota Patterson from Corbin, who's in the 2023 class. So Dakota is probably like, I don't know, 17. So Kentucky has been going to bowls every year since what? 2016. Yeah. So changes the perception. You know, yeah, more and more kids who are coming up, you know, if Stoop stays four or five more years and they, you know, I'm not saying they win 10 games every year, but, you know, stay pretty consistent. Like, you're going to have a whole new batch of recruits who don't, to be frank, like they don't remember when UK sucked as a program. Like, yeah. they'll always kind of seen Kentucky as a fairly competitive uh, team. And, you know, you hope that they can take it a step further and, you know, can it's just going to be hard as long as you're in the same division as Georgia with the way that they're rolling. Like, that's going to be every year their toughest game. Um, but just being perceived differently, like, I don't know, Sean, I mean, who's to say if they keep playing well, maybe five years from now that basketball school label gets not necessarily shed. I mean, the history of Kentucky has in basketball, it's probably always going to be looked at somewhat as that, but you saw, you still saw this year, a lot of national guys, when they came around writing about that Kentucky Georgia game, they were talking about it being a basketball school. Well, if UK football keeps playing in big games the next four or five years, do you think they're still going to be riding that every single time they ride about a big UK football game? I would what say is, probably not. So, what is what is fresh on your memory? And success yeah. changes it. We, I've talked to you about this multiple times about the Tennessee football program. Recruits, Tennessee's not an elite program anymore to, to the age of recruits because what have they seen from Tennessee for the last decade? A lot of losing seasons <laughs> yeah. where you, that's how you change it. That's how you, you change it by consistency over the course of a decade. And now we're approaching the latter half of the decade of success for this football program. You're in the backside of a decade that now, when you go to a bowl game, six straight years, you do that seven, eight, nine, and you continue building your program. Then you've changed it entirely because those kids that you're recruiting now that are 16, 17, 18 years old, those kids were, eight nine when they started watching your program that's that's a pretty big deal because they don't remember anything before that because i can tell you as a child going back 
I don't remember anything about programs before I was like nine, 10 years old. I didn't watch right. it. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, it was USC was dominant and, uh, man, they were. <laughs> um, it looks like this was a question we could have gotten to earlier. I just hadn't seen it. It's from Robert because we were talking about it a little bit earlier. So with five games to go and assuming the four game redshirt rule is still in effect, which it is, uh, who might we see? He put Crowdus in uh, parentheses that could contribute down the stretch yet maintain the red shirt. I'd say the big one is Jagger Burton is someone I think he's only played in one game. Um, Chris Lewis was another guy. I think, I think Vanderbilt, you know, you, you can't assume because, you know, you assumed against Chattanooga. I assumed against Chattanooga, they'd be able to get these guys in there. It was a close game. So in an ideal world, they would take care of business against Vanderbilt at some point in the second half and also um, New Mexico State. So those those are two that pop out in my mind. Crowdis, like I said, I think he'll try. Uh, Sean, is there anybody else? I mean, basically any true freshman who has not played in like – like what I'm trying to figure out is Jamarius Dinkins got in against Georgia. I don't remember seeing Khalil Saunders out there. So, like, are they trying to – preserve at least one of the red shirts i'm not really sure you know what i mean like you play saunders against florida i don't even remember if you played against lsu or not but it's like they were maybe thinking about saving it <laughs> so it's kind of hard to know i know i think on our website we keep a track yeah. of that but the participation charts are not um they're not very accurate so it's kind of hard to know and this and this isn't anything. even a this isn't a red shirt note for me or anything because it's we're talking about bo allen on this one but Right, I think yeah. that's a guy, the back half of the schedule, New Mexico State, Vanderbilt, you would almost like to get him a full game of reps, like a half against New Mexico State, maybe a quarter and a half or so against Vandy. So we're not getting into that redshirt rule, but you're talking about developing something behind him and getting some experience because you're going to need that. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, not not just Bo. I mean, you, you talk about um, – I mean, really any non-starter, like – our test thrower has already burned his red shirt and he's not, you know, he's mostly played special teams, but that could be a game where he plays the whole second half or whatever at linebacker. So that was a good question. I really like those big picture questions. Um, but uh, I, I just think you have to assume at this point in the season, if it's at a position that is not decimated by injury. So at defensive line spot, we were talking about like they're, they're probably having to play Dinkins and Saunders out of necessity at this point. If the position, you know, isn't desperate for it, um, I don't see anyone really breaking in. So, like, you would think at this point, if they could have helped you, they'd be playing um, by now. We got a question here talking about the outside run. Um, where are the outside zone runs that were supposed to Rams volutionize our offense? I know we haven't been too good at it, but I thought we'd continue to work at it and try to mix it in. I think it just turned out that Chris Rodriguez was way better at running inside zone and, uh, they did run it quite a bit against LSU, and it worked well because LSU couldn't stop the run. So, um, I think I think what you're having to see right now is Cohen just trying to do what's best for this roster. I think if Cohen sticks around long enough, I bet we'll go back and look at things in year three that were a little different than year one just because he maybe feels like he has the personnel to match it a little bit better. I agree with that. and. To, to an extent here, it shows that he's not being stubborn and trying to force what he wanted to do. He's doing what fits his team, and I think that's a good sign and quality of a good coach and a good coordinator. 
you're doing what works. And uh, it became evident that he found out just how good Chris Rodriguez is and stuff, leading the league in rushing. I mean, you're going to do whatever makes it successful. So that uh, I think that you're right, though. The, the more that they go along throughout this his tenure here as an offensive coordinator and they, they get more comfortable, these offensive linemen are in the system longer. I think that you're going to see these running backs and all that, and they're, they're going to do some things different as they get better, maybe recruit guys that fit what they want to do. Hey, Sean, we got a question for you here, uh, and it's from at 1982 UK grad. He's, he's asking you this question. What are you doing to address the kicking game, including kicking extra points, field goals, and the return game? It's not SEC caliber. Kicking it a little bit higher would help. <laughs> I think that blocking I think that's the blocking guys. My goodness, did you see some of the stuff Cole Kublik put up on Twitter from Georgia's defensive line? I mean, dudes were like stoning, stoning just Kentucky yeah. offensive linemen. I mean, goodness gracious. But no, that that, that is an area that you just can't lose points in that spot i mean four points i mean 30 to 17 looks a lot different than 30 to 13 when you're talking about that game saturday and it comes to you you scored another scoring opportunity you can't have that bite you the next five games you've got to get every single point you can out of those gimme field goals those gimme extra points now we're talking 40 40 and out that's different but anything like that field goal saturday has to be three points that extra point has to go through. Uh, and I'm just joking around. Clearly, he was he was meaning what UK is doing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do, do, was Matt Ruffalo – I don't remember the low kicks being a thing until this year. And they're super low this year. He had that one, block, he had that one blocked against Ole Miss, too, that I, if I remember, he kicked it low. Like, I don't know. He has a few that don't get off the ground, huh? Yeah. Like, I, th- that one Saturday had no chance, the last one. I mean, you're, you just can't have that happen. And he has been really good. Like, and that's the thing, too. I don't know if he's even missed very many. It seems like every time he's missed a PAT or a field goal, it's been because somebody got a hand on it. So he's really accurate when it gets beyond the line of scrimmage. So, see a couple more here. This is a tricky one just because uh, I don't think it's an unfair question. I just, I'm careful with talking about transfers, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll answer it. Yes, this is from Brad. Does McLean's emergence cause Drennan to transfer, or do you see him becoming a, tri- a contributor at some point? Let's phrase it this way, Sean. Um, I definitely think the skill sets that those two have are very similar. And uh, listen, we, we didn't see Drennan against Georgia, right? So, I mean, I said this in the press box. I might have said it to you, or I might have texted it to somebody else. Uh, I don't think this is out of line to say. I felt like against LSU, they were trying really hard to get Drennan going. And it didn't go so well. And I felt like at the time that that was – I'm not going to say it was a last shot for Drennan, but I felt like that was them saying, hey, here's a chance. See what you can do with it because Jaton's back now and you guys are pretty similar. And listen uh, – Jaton, even against Georgia, you could see it. Like, he, he is just more productive yeah. when he's out there, and I think he can do some more things. Now, does that mean Drennan's never going to contribute or never going to play again? Like, that I can't say. Uh, I, I don't know. But going forward, I, I do – I guess to answer this question going forward, I, I think you're going to see a whole lot of Jaton if he's healthy. And obviously they like Drennan. They've been trying to work him in and things that they, they like him, but we've heard a lot of good things about Jaton McLean. And we're seeing it Since now. He got when here, he's I mean, in there, he is. 
he's just a difference maker with his ability out of the backfield and in the passing game. And what you saw Saturday and stuff, I know people talking about how he didn't hit the hole there on that opening drive on that carry, but when you see the uh, replay, you see yeah, the replay, you see, you see a dude sitting there. And I, somebody replied to me today talking about that there was a hole there. Well, here's my take on it. Kentucky was going to get Kentucky was going to get hit with a holding call because that was the only thing Luke Fortner was going to be able to do to yeah. keep him from making that play. I so, know it looked like I thought the same thing. I was like, man, it looks like there's a hole there. But you see, you see where <laughs> Fortner's blocking him from. You're right. He would have had to have held. And I'm not convinced with the way that Jordan Davis moves that that dude. what appeared to be a hole wouldn't have swallowed up real fast. And, so and I think Jaton saw that and thought, hey, I'll try to go back the other way. <laughs> and you know, there wasn't a hole uh, on the other side. I mean, that yeah. was collapsed. But, and uh, Fortner's been a guy that's been an All SEC guy. And, yeah. and and thing or you know with the, the preseason rankings and then an, and the guy that's been SEC Player of the Week on the offensive line a couple of times and he made him look like he weighed 150 pounds. That that's one player. That's what one player did. Yes. for that play. And you I saw guess what any it, other team what it did to the second level. There was nobody getting to the next yeah. level to get a, anything on a linebacker. You know why? Because that dude's a tank standing right there in front of you. What I would have laid down. I just said. I know Cole Kublik asked or somebody I can't something in his mentions like how many snaps do you think I could get there and he's like I'd try to bite him and Cole's like how are you going to bite that guy that dude's going to throw me to the side yeah I mean I, have you been seeing and I hell I'm on board there are people talking about him winning the Heisman this year Go for it. absolutely yeah I mean he's a he's a he's an absolute freak uh, looks like we got one more here that I see you might have some of the DMs it's from Kyle uh, he's got two questions here. First one is Coach O, who obviously got fired by LSU this week or mutually parted ways, whatever you want to say. He's getting his money. That's what matters, right? Uh, if Coach real, O is Coach O someone. Yeah. Cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, the question's asking, should Stoops look to add an Ogeron? Um, one, Ogeron says he's not really planning to coach next year, at least as of now. Two, um, the guy's making that much money. I don't, I don't think you're going to see him go be a position coach anywhere. And two or three, I guess this might be three. I don't think a whole lot personally of Orgeron as a coach. Um, could he get you some recruits? I would say probably, but I, I don't, I don't see that being realistic for him coming to UK. Yeah, I don't see it being realistic that he goes anywhere to be an assistant, not with seventeen million going to his bank account the next few years. But the second, did you have anything to add to that? Or well, I just, I don't want this to sound bad, but I thought he was destined to get fired the entire time. Yeah, and I mean, they win a national championship and, and things, and it just goes to show you that I think even LSU as a program just thought that it had more to do with the talent that he had on the roster than it had to do anything with him. Clearly, yeah. I mean, they and didn't give him much did time you, after. Did you ask Robert's question? I know we talked about it. Uh, with five games to go and assuming the four-game redshirt rule is yeah. still in effect, okay, I just want to make sure that we ask it. I know we talked about it. Um, let me look at the DMs real quick. So the second one from Kyle was about Spencer Rattler, and this is uh, – okay projecting a lot but he said if rattler does enter the portal would uk pursue i don't think so um i'm not really sure what to think about rattler because every quarterback that oklahoma has had for a long time under lincoln riley from baker mayfield to kyler murray to jalen hurts i might even be forgetting somebody in there they were all very very good and uh you know i know that this was a five-star kid who's come in and taken that job but like rattler really struggled this season um so i don't like i said i don't know what to expect of him and i don't i don't think there would be much interest there mutually i mean i think you know spencer's from arizona i, I could see him wanting to go back out west and the thing is too i mean if 
if Levis is coming back, and I don't see why he wouldn't, um, I mean, that's Liam's guy, right? So I don't I don't think you're going to see him pursue a quarterback this year. We'll see what happens when Levis is gone. Um, maybe they have a 2023 quarterback they like. Maybe maybe at that point they fill up Bo Allen's ready. I mean, that's this is a long way out. It's not really – it's hard to say at this point. But uh, I don't think you'll see that. I mean, spots are going to be pretty precious this year with where they're going to need to address some positions. So I don't think it's going to be quarterback. No, I, I, I don't think so either uh and then we had two in the dms here this one's from back to final four recruiting and transfer portal needs this off season who are the most likely super senior candidates there is a world where several players on defense could come back if none few do come back project next year's starting defense thanks love what you guys are doing uh well we talked about wide receivers with the transfer portal i think that's definitely priority number one on the whole roster um Depending on who they finish with in recruiting, I think a veteran edge rusher would help. Um, super. Uh, do you have any other positions you think they really need to focus on? I think I think maybe linebacker. And I I'll be curious to see who uh, who backs up Trayvon Ripken next year because I don't I think could, there's really a clear cut guy there. I could see them going a JUCO route or something, maybe in the secondary. Maybe another oh, yeah, corner is another spot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see them adding there just to, to get some depth and just the success that they've had with a guy like Brandon Eccles and stuff a couple of years ago. I could see them going that route and getting some experience and someone that's ready to come in and add some quality depth at that position. Obviously, Carrington Valentine's getting a ton of experience and stuff this year and, and everything across the board. You, you feel good about Vito moving forward in the secondaries. I, I could see them still adding some guys there as well. Yeah. A good point. Um, we have one more, I believe, from Ezra. Uh, do you guys think people overreacted a little too much, too much to that strip sack where Jones didn't go after it? I know the ball wasn't whistled dead, but nine out of ten that play is whistled dead once it comes out. And also, I think the score doesn't do what UK did justice. If Jones falls on that ball, that's seven points whopped away, and it seemed like UK left some points on the field. I, I don't want to say that people overreacted because you're, you're taught to play to the whistle and there was not a whistle. And when I went back and watched that game last night, had somebody been there to pick that ball up, Derek, that's offensive lineman you're trying to outrun. And I like Jacquez Jones in that race, getting down the field. There's no doubt in the moment. I mean, it was a huge thing because Georgia scored the very next play. Like I said on Sunday or maybe Monday when we record, I can't remember. I think it was Monday when we recorded. I understand if other people don't feel this way, it's perfectly fine. I didn't feel like it was going to make that much of a difference in the long run. I just think Georgia's talent, even if they held them off the board there, it was just going to be too much for UK to actually win. But again, I, I'm, I'm okay with what people thinking maybe the afternoon would have been different. We'll, we'll never know. That's kind of the thing about sports. I so. think Georgia would have won, but it, you could have had a scenario where it's seven to seven at the half. If you take that Yeah, I mean, off. if the logic is that Jacquez Jones is on his feet, picks that ball up, runs it back for a touchdown, then hell yeah, I guess anything could have happened. Or at but, least uh, you take the, the points off the board for Georgia. Yeah, that's that's that was more of how I saw it. Yeah, because yeah, somehow he already ended uh, up on the ground. I, the I, only, I, don't, I don't either. Like, and I mean, the ball right there in front of him, but I mean, it wasn't just him that didn't go for it. I think no, it was no where they're yeah. in the middle of the field, too, that didn't in Georgia. I mean, they, they fall in there. And a lot of times – and here's the thing that – I know the officials missed some stuff. They had a guy half a yard short that they didn't review. Uh, but 
credit to the officials in mm-hmm. any situation like that. Same thing happened at Kentucky, Florida, when Kentucky won the game in the swamp. Don't blow that thing dead. Let it play out and let replay overturn it. And that's what they did. And it was the right call on the field and then replay upheld it. I, I think it's a really good point. Um, it, I'll say this. That won't be a mistake, or at least it shouldn't be, if UK's coaching staff and the players are paying attention. That shouldn't be an issue here for a while because uh, you've got a player on your team. Uh, and not, no, not just a play. I mean, like you said, like no one else for UK went for the ball. So it wasn't, I mean, I know Jacquez was the closest and you would have liked to have seen him hop on that thing. But uh, I mean, that's an easy clip to show everybody to play to the whistle. And that's a good point you make about, um, about the officials. Did we miss a part on that last question? Did he ask us to name the defense for next year? He, he did. Back to the final four. He wanted us to name, just talking about some guys that could come back uh yeah what, how, how uh, do you see it? i mean they have a lot of seniors but is there anyone there that could use that year well I always look at least what i've tried to do for a lot of these like even potential transfers i try to look at like true is, seniors this year who didn't get a red shirt and like mike jacquez a guy that could Jacques, do it I, I think both jacquez and square and then i think even marquan mccall or those i think those are the only three four-year seniors on the team um, guys who didn't redshirt, guys who played from day one. So they're not like guys who have been in college like forever, per se. I mean, I think it's pretty normal for a college football player to spend five years in, in school. So, yeah, that's what, that's what Josh Ali was like last year. Now, I know Josh had, you know, he needed to be, to be, to be frank, Ali had no shot at playing professional football last year. And uh, this, that opportunity allowed him to come back and showcase some things. So it made sense for him. Those two, I don't, I don't know what their draft stock is, honestly, at this point. They both had really good seasons. Um, that'll be something I think that they need to get their feedback and then decide. But I think those two in particular, uh, Jones and Square, that is, are guys that I think UK would be very interested in having come back. And also I think those two should at least consider it. But I'm having a hard time past that because Corker is going to be a draft pick. He won't be back. Like Asian doesn't get much NFL buzz, but he's played a whole lot. He's been here five years, like maybe – if he wanted to come back, I think you'd definitely take him back, no doubt about it. Um, am I forgetting anybody else? Like Jordan Wright, same deal, been there five years. Just those guys at a certain point, that's a long time to be in school playing football. And I think a lot of those guys would rather just take their chances, not have another year of wear and tear on their body. But someone like Square and Jones, I mean, they might see a, and even McCall, who's been hurt a lot of this year, maybe he. F- you know, feels the need to come back and try to show more. So those are the three that that really stand out in my mind on defense. And on offense, there's really nobody. Um, yeah, nobody at all, I think, on on offense that I could think of wanting to be a super senior. Yeah. Uh, good well, stuff from Maybe you. Isaiah Epps, like maybe him. but that, That's possibly, know. yeah. Uh, good stuff from you, as always. I uh, always enjoy the football mailbags with you because that's where you really throw – a lot of stuff into it and uh, especially your your knowledge of the recruiting world and everything that you you do a lot of studying on this on the on the 24 7 sports network and do a fantastic job Derek on your end uh, I'm looking forward to continuing this football talk and looking forward to some basketball talk as we move throughout this week the blue yeah. white game Friday night uh, gonna have some extra episodes coming up uh, recruiting stuff with football next week I mean it's Basketball recruiting, Casey Wallace going to be coming up pretty soon, November 7th, I believe is that date. Kentucky Duke, I mean, we got a lot to talk about over the next few weeks. Uh, a lot of excitement. This football team has definitely helped 
the content of the show and then basketball. Certainly we know that your passion, you, you basketball fans just stick with us because there's going to be a lot of that coming as well. But as always, this episode is powered by blue wire pods. It's also powered by the butcher's pub, three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, London, Kentucky. You can visit the butcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky daily.